Hi, welcome back to another episode of Nobody's Doing It Right, the podcast for those who are uncertain. My name is Kat, I'm your host, of course. And today's episode is going to be about weaknesses and how you should be working with your weaknesses, not against them. This is something that I struggle with a lot and for a long time. And I think anybody who has been in the personal growth space, who has maybe seen both like both sides of the spectrum when it comes to personal growth, where it's like there's a very uh, maybe more spiritual side, which is like the manifestation and the letting go and the, uh, you know, the... um, law of assumption, the law of attraction side of it. And then there's the other side, the big hustle side of it, right? The, the side where it's like you have to take control and stop, you know, letting your your demons take control of you and whatever, whatever that narrative is. I've seen it all. I've, you know, allowed myself to explore all of it and see what feels best for me. I like to be somewhere in the middle, right? I like to t- pull pieces of both sides and use what works best for me. So this is what I'm going to explore right now. I don't think that there is a point in your personal growth in your life that you can be fully healed or can fully get rid of the things that um, that plague you or affect you deeply, right? That's not to say that some you can't. Of course, there are many things that you can kind of like slowly let go of and you don't even realize it, right? Because of all the work you've done. There are some things though that I think are just part of us and will always be there. And it's not about striving and forcing yourself and, you know, working yourself to the bone to get rid of these things. I think for many of those things, it's about working with them, accepting that they're there, they're a part of you and using tools and skills and, you know, um, affirmations, whatever, to work with them, to calm them so that you can live a life that feels aligned and good for you. So this is what I want to talk about in today's episode. I want to use the example of me always wanting a sweet treat, <laughs> but there there are so many other uh, things that we can tie into this, right? And we will, but uh, let's start with that. I I must I have a sweet tooth. I love sweets. I love chocolate. I always want a sweet treat. Now, obviously, eating a lot of sugar is not good for you in general. Uh, that's not to say you can't have you know your desserts and whatever. Of course you can, um, but I also want to live a life where I'm mindful of the things I put into my body, on on my body, whatever. Just in general, I want to have a sense of mindfulness that works for me. And I know that I don't want to always be indulging in, in sweets because I also worry about my teeth. <laughs> I have a big anxiety with teeth stuff. So I have to balance and manage all of these different things so that I feel good and secure and safe with myself, that I know I'm making decisions that work best for me that are going to not make me spiral into anxiety about going to the dentist and getting fillings and all that stuff that freaks me out and yet at the same time I always want a sweet treat that's just who I am I've accepted it at this point because I'm not going to get rid of my sweet tooth there are people out there who never like sweets so they can fully get rid of it and not have sugar in their lives and that's great love that for them I'm not one of those people I love sweets I love desserts like that's just what I gravitate towards you know so Instead of trying to completely get rid of my sweet tooth, instead of me trying to eradicate that from my life, being this person who's like this fitness, this fitness girly who doesn't eat her sugar and knows because it's good for you to not eat it and you have to like to live the kind of life of someone who is mindful about their health and wellness, like they don't eat sugar, they get rid of it and it's better for your sleep and whatever other narratives there are out there, right? Instead of trying to force myself to be that person because I know I... I, I'm not and I I don't think I ever will be 
instead of forcing myself into that and creating this rigidity in my life and always feeling like a failure when I do experience those cravings, because I always will, I always have, I've decided to work with with them, right? So for me, as an example for this, uh, I love, I keep a, you know, some dark chocolate in my fridge all the time because when I finish my meal, I want something sweet. I want a sweet treat. I don't want to indulge in really uh, sugary chocolate and sweets all the time. Of course, I let myself at times, but not all the time. If I really have that craving, I'm going to have some dark chocolate. I'm going to have it in my fridge and I'm going to do it shamelessly. I don't care. I don't care what anybody says about having chocolate every day. I'm going to find something that works best for me. And I think this is really important because in terms of self-sabotage, which is something that I've been thinking about a lot lately and working through a lot, if you force yourself to work against your weaknesses, the things that you know that, you know what, this is just part of me. And it doesn't have to be seen as a weakness. I only say weakness because, you know, it just for the just for the examples that I'm using, right? Things that are considered weak or weaknesses, quote unquote, instead of working against them, work with them. Let them feel calm and taken care of and settled so that you don't have to focus on them so much all the time, right? Because there are many things in our lives that we just cannot stop having a part in us. Like they're going to exist in us no matter how much work we do to work through them and eradicate them, right? Another thing is people-pleasing. I think for many of us who struggle with people pleasing, I don't know anybody else out there who has, you know, done extensive work on it. I'm sure you still experience, you know, the urge to do it. It's still there. It's underlying. It's beneath the surface. It's always going to crop up. That doesn't mean you always do it anymore, which is great because you've learned like, see, this is people pleasing. I'm not going to do it because I know what people pleasing leads me to all the time. It doesn't lead me to anything good. It leads me to self-abandonment and, you know, not uh, being there for myself. So you don't do those actions, but I'm sure you feel it still. I still feel the the urge and the need to people please all the time, right? It's still there. It's still so deeply ingrained in me. And I had a friend ask me, you know, don't you think you'll ever get rid of it? Or like, don't you think that it's kind of sad to think that you never will get rid of it? And it's like, no, I don't think that's sad. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's just part of my existence. And I would rather work with it. I'd rather flow with it than resist it so deeply and try to fight it and get rid of it to the point where I'm so hyper-focused on it and feeling like a failure every time it comes up. Because the more you allow yourself to be in a space, like an emotional mental space where you feel like a failure, the more you'll start doing things that make you feel like a failure and proving to yourself that you're a failure. So I'd rather take these things that, that I consider weaknesses, again, quote unquote, and work with them. I don't want to see them as weaknesses anymore. And that's what I really try not to do. I don't, I don't see them as weaknesses, but if you want to see them that way, fine, obviously. They are just part of me. They're just part of my existence. They're part of the human experience. Because I think when we tie the idea of weaknesses or faults or, you know, bad habits, it's tied into this thing, this idea of perfectionism, right? What we deem to be the perfect type of way to live life. And that's different for everybody. It's just what you deem as perfect or the right way to do it. And there is no right way to do it. So you know, I think when we use that kind of language, weaknesses, bad habits, whatever, it's tied into perfectionism too. So I try not to necessarily always say that to myself, like, oh, this is my weakness or, you know, my bad habit. No, it's just part of my experience. It's part of a human experience and all human experiences are valid. Like they, the fact that they exist makes them valid in and of themselves. Now, if they're good for you, if they're good for other people is a different story, right? But it exists within you. So you you do have two options. Either you really fight against it and you focus all your attention on it and you try to, you know, completely get rid of it. And maybe sometimes you can, and that's great. Or it's something that you just can't 
and you spend a lot of your time and your energy so hyper fixated on it to the point where you are neglecting the other things in your life that you could be doing to make your life more enjoyable, even if that thing still exists within you, right? Again, being mindful if it's something that hurts other people intentionally or is very damaging to you and other people, of course, that's not what I'm saying that we should just accept and whatever. But again, even those things like knowing that they exist within you and being accepting of them makes it so much easier to work with them as a way to manage them, right? I think that's the key for a lot of these things. It's not about completely eradicating them, getting rid of them forever and never being that kind of person again. It's just, look, this is a part of me. This exists within me. I have the urge to people please. I like my sweet treats, whatever. And I know I also don't want to do this because it's not good for me all the time or it doesn't make me feel good, right? Work with it, not against it. Don't push back so hard. When it comes to, to people-pleasing, as an example, as I was saying before, how do you work with people-pleasing? Find a way where people-pleasing can also please you simultaneously, right? And not in the sense of, you know, I have to always feel good if I make anyone else feel good in like a more self-centered way, but more in the sense of not in a fully self-abandoning kind of way. So for me, as a people pleaser, I have managed to create a little, you know, career for myself, a little job for myself that actually allows me to help people, to please people and be of service to people, which is something that is so deeply ingrained in me as a people pleaser. I found a way to make it work for me, right? And I'm working with it. I'm not working against it. I'm not trying to be somebody who doesn't ever people please and only does jobs that are very self-serving and uh, offers no space to be of service to others. Because I, I know deep down that that's not going to feel, you know, it's not going it, to, it's always going to be a battle within me because of these deep-rooted need, this deep-rooted need to people please all the time. So I'm, I'm done fighting against it. Now, obviously, I'm very mindful of the way I people please and the extent to which I do it. Even in my own work, I have to be mindful of my boundaries all the time. So of course. And even with friendships, I still allow myself to people please if it's in alignment with the boundaries that I know I need to maintain in order to also feel good in my experience. There are times when my friends want to do things or, you know, they, they want to talk about things that maybe I'm not super into, but I allow it because it's not it's not overstepping a boundary, right? That's the key, always. Knowing what your limit is, what your boundaries are, and, and allowing yourself to work with whatever it is that you're struggling with to that point and knowing when to to stop it or when to, you know, realign. And of course, that is also the hardest part. <laughs> it's easier said than done, but it comes with practice. And I think the only way to get this practice and to be able to get to this place where you know your limit, you know your boundaries, is to allow yourself to work with this thing rather than always fighting against it. Because if you're always fighting against it, you're always working against this weakness that you think you have, you're not giving yourself the opportunity to progress forward in your life and start doing other things and recognizing how this this weakness can fit into the, your, your life, right? If you let go of trying to get rid of it completely, what would you actually do with the rest of your time and energy? Knowing that this thing still exists, you know, but you're trying to be mindful of your boundaries and all that, what else would you be doing with your time? It's so much more freeing to be able to look at life that way rather than hyper-focusing on how to, to not have it anymore and to stop it and to have this immense control over it. Sometimes you can't. You know, so what what can you control about this thing? How can you fit it into your life in a way that still honors you and respects your boundaries while also, you know, allowing yourself to manage it in a sense, cater it, let it have its thing that it needs from you and so that it calms down and doesn't bug you as much anymore so that you can go and focus on the things that you need to focus on as well, right? Like for me, again, going back to the sweet treat <laughs> example, 
if I didn't allow myself to have sweet treats ever, right? If I just said, you know what, sugar's not good for you. It's not good for my teeth. And I don't, you know, whatever. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm done. I'm not going to have sweets ever again. I'm going to have those cravings. Of course I am. And my mind is going to be so preoccupied with sweets all the time. And this ties into, um, you know, uh, control issues when it comes to food as well. My mind's going to be so preoccupied thinking about these sweets all the time that I'm not able to focus on a lot of other things. And I know that about myself. I know that that's what's going to happen. I'm always going to think about them. I'm always going to have these cravings. Um, And this isn't to say I haven't tried it in the past. Of course I have. But it's there. And it's also, you know, it's nice to have a sweet treat. It feels good. It's a nice little boost in life because life is about also experiencing pleasure too. Not to the point where it's detrimental for you, but letting yourself just have pleasure for pleasure's sake. That's okay too. So now instead of trying to do that, I know it's going to make me hyperfixate, make me think about it all the time. I'm not going to really, you know, have as much enjoyment in my life if I don't do it. I just let myself have it sometimes and it's fine. And it's actually made it easier for me to also recognize that, look, I can manage this thing. I can have some semblance of control over it without letting completely control me all the time because it doesn't have to. Right. And of course, there's nuance to this conversation. It doesn't apply to everything in your life that you feel is a weakness or hard to control, obviously. Um, But this is just something that I want to talk about when it comes to the idea of self-sabotage too, because if you try to fight against this thing all the time, you might end up self-sabotaging because you are constantly feeling like a failure because maybe it's just something that you can't completely eradicate, right? So rather than fighting against it tooth and nail, hyper-focusing, feeling like a failure every time it crops up again, because, you know, it's already shown itself to inevitably always crop up, instead of doing all that, accept it and work with it, work and flow with it. Let yourself feel that ease so that you can actually then do the things you wanna do and not sabotage your experience in life. And, you know, reinforce the idea that you're not good enough because you're always seeing yourself fail at this thing. Show yourself other areas in your life where you can succeed at, right? Okay, this thing, you can't always control it. You need to to have um, a level of, uh, you know, allowance with it. Okay, that's fine, you know? What other things in your life though that you can start doing that you have more energy and time for because you're not hyper fixating on completely fixing this thing, you know, fixing in quotes, because, you know, sometimes it's just part of your experience. So I hope this was helpful. I hope it offered some perspective on something that I've struggled with a lot. Uh, If you want to talk about it in more detail, feel free to book a one-to-one call with me. I offer 60 minutes, 30 minutes. I also have email guidance for anyone who doesn't want to have a, you know, one-to-one Zoom call. Um, I also have a Substack where I write about these things and I've also just launched a journaling class for anyone who wants to explore intentional journaling the way I do it that has worked so well for me. So you can find all that information on my website and all the links will be in the show notes below. But thanks for listening and I'll be back again soon with another episode.